Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part three of his series, The Nine Gifts of the Holy Spirit. All right, praise the Lord. The Nine Gifts of the Spirit, part three. We're continuing our series this morning on the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and this morning will be our third message in the series. You know, last week we started getting into the nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. And we started by reemphasizing the fact that you got to walk in love. You got to walk in the fruit of the Spirit that lives in you if you want to operate effectively and powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit. You can't leave love behind. And that's borne out in Galatians 5, and 23, which talks about the fruit of the Spirit that does live on the inside, in your spirit, of every person who's born again. These things live in you, whether they manifest or not, whether you feel them or not. The Bible says these things are in you. Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, that means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Amen. Gentleness there means uh, humility or meekness. Amen. So the fruit of the Spirit actually emanates from the love of God, which is already in you. Romans 5, 5 says the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And it sort of is the, the prime mover, the, the main engine of the train that, that contains love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen? And if you walk in the fruit and the gifts, and if those things flow together in your life, you'll be a whole lot more effective and powerful moving in the supernatural realm. You know, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which coincidentally is located right between 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is about gifts, spiritual gifts, and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which is also about spiritual gifts. So right in the middle, there is the central issue. You have to be motivated by love if you want to operate powerfully and effectively in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. All right, so let love be your primary motivation for operating in the gifts, not so that someone can look at you and say, man, he's a powerful man of God. See how he moves in the gifts. Don't be haughty. Don't be lifted up. Don't use the gifts as a means of affirmation. Make sure all the glory goes to Jesus. Amen. All right. So we got into the nine supernatural gifts of the spirit by reading the main text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and then verse 7 through 11. All of the quotes today will be from the New King James, unless I say otherwise. I believe this is one of the exceptions here. King James here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren and sistren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's pretty plain, isn't it? I want you to be smart about the gifts of the Spirit, not ignorant. And sad to say, a vast majority of the body of Christ is either ignorant, unlearned, or they believe these things have passed away. And we got to show them in the Word why that's not the case. Amen. Hallelujah. So then verse 7, 
talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to his believers as he wills to benefit everybody. Amen? Not just the person being used in the gift. Verse 8, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. That's another point that you need to remember. The gifts do not operate as you will. They operate as the Holy Spirit wills. Amen. All right, so to gain a better understanding of the gifts of the Spirit, it is helpful to categorize them by their characteristics and their function, and you can actually group them into three groups with three gifts in each of the three groups. And these are the three categories and the gifts in each of the categories. Revelation gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. They're called revelation gifts because they reveal things to you that you had no way of knowing unless the Holy Spirit revealed it to you. Amen. We talked about that last week. Power gifts are gifts of healings, gift of faith, and working of miracles. We're going to talk about that this week. And then vocal, sometimes also called inspirational gifts, is tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And we're going to talk about that next week. Amen. Hallelujah. But today... We're going to talk about the power gifts, so let's go to the base scripture where we find the power gifts mentioned. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. So they're right there together in verse 9 and 10. So let's talk about gifts of healings. Now, I want you to Fasten your seatbelts because I have a lot of information and a lot of testimony to share, and I think you'll get something out of it, and I know that we'll probably go a little bit past noon, probably a little bit way past noon, but just hang with me, okay? Hallelujah. So gifts of healings. Gifts of healings manifest when healing power flows by the Holy Spirit from the body of a spirit-filled believer or directly from the Holy Spirit himself into the body of someone who is sick or dying. That's about as basic a definition as I can find for gifts of healings. Now, the very fact that the Scripture translates this gift as gifts of healings, both gifts and healings are plural, tells me that this gift can manifest in a variety of different ways. So don't put it in a box just because I gave you a definition. It's a general generic definition. Amen. Jesus ministered gifts of healings throughout the Gospels, either by laying on of hands, by a spoken word, or by both. One time even he spit in somebody's eye and said, now what do you see? <laughs> I see spit. <laughs> No, he said, I see men walking like trees. So Jesus laid hands on him again and said, now what do you see? He says, I see everybody clearly. Amen. Hallelujah. It'll have to be the Holy Ghost before Brother Scott spits in somebody's eye. I'm just going to, I'm telling you that, you know. 
I'm not going there unless there's a strong urging. And, and Jesus is standing right next to him saying, go ahead, give it your best shot. That's found, by the way, in Mark chapter 8, verse 23. It's a great story. All right, Matthew 4, 23. This pretty much sums up the healing ministry and the pattern of Jesus when he went about in his ministry. It says here in verse 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. If you were to go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, you'll find almost the same words verbatim. Amen. So I want to give you a New Testament example of gifts of healings in operation through the life of Jesus. John chapter 4, verse 46 through 53. John 4, 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. You know, these days, that's pretty rude to call somebody you people, you know. But this is Jesus. So the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. In other words, he cut to the chase. He said, Yeah, I know. I shouldn't be asking, but I am asking. Come down before my child dies. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. How many realize that was when that man got his miracle? He believed the word of Jesus. Verse 51, And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. So you see, one gift of the Spirit was responsible for saving a whole household of people. Amen. Hallelujah. So the nobleman's son was on his deathbed. Jesus spoke the word from a distance. The fever left, and he started getting better. Amen. You know, once the fever left him over a period of time, he got better. And I mentioned this briefly in part one of the series, that that seems to be the pattern for gifts of healings. They manifest gradually over a period of time, sometimes a shorter period of time than others, but it seems to be gradual in nature. All right, before we can go any further about gifts of healings, I want to talk to you about the anointing because the anointing plays a major role in how the gifts of healing can be enhanced and, and, and empowered to a greater degree, okay? And it was especially uh, prevalent in the life of Jesus, and we read about that. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus was in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. He got up on uh, church, uh, church day, Saturday, I believe it is, and he got up and they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. He turned to what we call Isaiah 61, only they didn't have chapters back then. And this is Luke's version of what he said about that. It says here in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus reading about himself. 
the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, you know that's a jubilee statement. He basically was saying, I am your jubilee. Amen. And one of the things I'm going to restore to you is your health. Amen. Hallelujah. So the anointing is a special kind of concentration of the power of God. It always accelerates and or enhances the gifts of the Spirit, especially the power gifts, healings, gift of faith, working of miracles. Amen. The anointing is tangible and transferable. When I taught the Bible students, Dan knows this because he took my courses, I always talked about the two T's of the anointing. And I would say the anointing is tangible and it's transferable. Tangible, it can be felt, it can be experienced. Transferable, it can be transferred from person to person or even from person to an inanimate object like a cloth and then into another person. The anointing is tangible and transferable. This is really highlighted in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34, talking about the woman with the issue of blood. Verse 25 says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So she's getting sicker and poorer. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, listen to this, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? No, but Jesus was asking, who touched me like that with the touch of faith? Because I felt power go from my body into my clothes and out. Somebody just got healed. Amen. That's what I mean when I say the anointing is transferable and it's also tangible. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You know, others in the Bible, like the Apostle Paul, were given a similar anointing to operate in the gifts of healings. Turn with me to Acts chapter 19, verse 11 and 12 in the King James. And it says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. That word there, special, is actually better translated as extraordinary. And God wrought extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Extraordinary means to be above ordinary extraordinary. Amen? So Paul had progressed from ordinary miracles to extraordinary miracles. Amen? And one of the ways he did this was 
in verse 12, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, there's no other way to explain that happening other than to say that somehow, even though we don't understand it completely, the anointing can be transferred to an inanimate cloth and then taken to somebody that's demon-possessed. The cloth gets on them, the anointing goes into them, and they get delivered. If they're sick, they get healed. It's strange, but it's Bible. And I know there's some charlatans out there that will, you know, charge you for a prayer cloth and things like that. you got to be aware that this thing can be abused, but it is based in reality and an actual scriptural practice. Amen? So never lose sight of that. Amen. I remember hearing Smith Wigglesworth told a testimony about how he's itinerating, and one of the women in the church where he was preaching allowed him to stay in the bedroom there in their home, and she slept in the guest bedroom with her husband, and she let Smith sleep in the master bedroom. And the next morning, he was having breakfast, and the woman said, you know, my husband is not saved. He's just a heathen. Can you do anything for my husband? And Smith said, don't change the sheets on the bed. Because he knew his anointing had gotten on those sheets. The next night, her husband was up all night with nightmares of roasting in hell. The next morning, he said, I need Jesus. Went down to the church house and gave his life to Jesus. Okay. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Talk about extraordinary miracles. Amen. All right. Here's some personal examples, things that I've seen over 35 years of preaching and teaching healing. And in each of these examples I'm about to share, I use a pattern that I always use when ministering to the sick. I always start by laying on of hands and praying for them, according to Mark 16, 18, where Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Mark 16, 18 says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know, the Lord ministered to me years ago. He says, you know what? That takes all responsibility for the healing off of you and puts it onto me. So never say again, what if nothing happens? (laughs) Because it's not on you. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You do your part and expect God to do his part. He will every time. Amen. Hallelujah. So I start by laying on a hands. Then sometimes gifts of healings will manifest. Or I'll feel a special anointing, sometimes both. Sometimes I feel nothing at all, and yet they are healed. Sometimes they feel something, and I don't feel anything, yet they are healed. Sometimes neither one of us feel a thing, and they are healed. So note to self, don't depend on feelings. Do it by faith. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So this is my thought process that I go through when I minister to the sick. I'm laying hands on them by faith according to Mark 16, 18. If an anointing comes or a gift of the Spirit manifests, so be it. But I'm praying for them anyway by faith. You can't go wrong if you use that simple formula. Amen. So here's a couple of testimonies that I picked out over the years 
Uh, years ago, I was preaching in my home church in Minden, Louisiana, had a prayer line, and I was moving from left to right, and the first lady in line was a lady that I knew. Her name was Linda. And I said, what's going on, Linda? And Linda said, well, my sinuses are so impacted, uh, I'm going to have to have them surgically scraped out. And I'm not looking forward to it. I want Jesus to heal me. So right when she said that, I saw with my spiritual eyes into her head, on the right side of her head, and I saw her sinus cavities, and they were completely black and congested. And I said to her, they're on the left side or your right side. She said, yeah, on the right side. I put up my hand to pray for her. I didn't even get to touch her. I felt like a bolt of electricity come off my hand, hit her in the forehead, and she slammed to the floor before any catcher had any idea what to do. And she was a big lady, so I was concerned. And uh, so I'm just, Lord, what do I do? Next thing I know, Linda gets up, rushes to the back of the church, and I don't see her again until after the service is over. So long story short, she, so, she told me afterwards, she said, Brother Scott, when you put your hand up, the power of God hit me so hard, I just hit the floor. Next thing I know, I was on the floor, and then I felt all my sinuses starting to break up in my head. So I ran back to the ladies' bathroom. I got over the sink just in time for all of that to drain in about 20 seconds. I'm completely healed. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I was prepared to lay hands on her by faith, and all of a sudden, something supernatural happened. Amen. And she got healed. All right. Uh, we had a prison ministry, Trish and I, for 14 years, and uh, we ministered for many years in the state prison facilities there in northern Louisiana. And one time I was praying for a group of men, and we were running out of time. We had an hour and a half service, and the guards had this annoying habit if you were getting close to the two- or three-minute mark of the time you were supposed to be done, they would start flicking the light switch. So I'm like a couple, according to my watch, I'm a couple minutes away from the light flicking, and a bunch of guys came forward and want to be healed. So I just said, Lord, you're just going to have to take care of it. I, I can't pray no flowery prayers. I don't got time to do anything. So I just went one by one, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. One guy. I touched him. I felt, I felt led to say, what's wrong with you? He said, my blood sugar. I'm type 1 diabetes. I said, blood sugar be normal in the name of Jesus. Went to the next guy. That's about how much thought I put into it. I didn't feel a thing. He didn't feel a thing. Well, the story goes, the next day he fell out because he had an insulin uh, reaction because his blood sugar dropped too low. And they checked him, and they found that his blood sugar returned to normal and stayed that way. So for, we would usually go up on Thursday nights every week, so for every Thursday night, he would come up to me and he'd say, day seven, normal blood sugar, you know. Day 110, normal blood sugar. Day 185, normal blood sugar. He got up to like day 285. He said, I got to 285, normal blood sugar, but I got the flu. And just to be on the safe side, they gave me some insulin. I said, well, I, you know, bless their hearts. They don't know God. <laughs> Amen. But his name was Rodney. Amen. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't remember his name. Rodney is a different story altogether. Rodney was sitting about the third row. We had about this many seats in our little activity center where we had our services. He was about the third row back there. And I'm preaching, not even preaching on healing. I'm just getting it, you know. And he just gets out of the aisle and he starts walking toward me. And I'm like, can I help you? 
and he and he lifted his hand off of his as he faced me it was his uh left side and he opened up his hand and there was this golf ball sized growth on his neck he said they think it's cancerous i'm going down to lsu uh, to get some uh, biopsies done tomorrow can jesus do anything for me so i'm i'm still about 10 feet away from him and i said I cursed that thing in the name of Jesus at the root, at the seed. And he fell back. Luckily, his brothers were there to keep him from hitting the floor because it was a linoleum floor. And they caught him, and he was just like, you know. I said, well, tell me what happens next time we get up here. All right, so we left. We went home. Trish had a dream that night. And in the dream, we were in the facility, in the prison, preaching. And Rodney comes through the door, and that growth is gone. She told me about it, and I said, praise God. Two weeks later, to the day, we went back. And just like the dream, Rodney was one of the first people to come through the door. And he had his hand there, and he went, look, it's gone. <laughs> I'm like, praise God, tell me this story. He says, well, when you prayed for me, he said, I felt something. It was almost like a pin pricked that thing, and it was like a balloon, and it slowly started losing all of its air. And he said, over a period of three days, it shrank and shrank and shrank and shrank until it was all gone. So they canceled all of his appointments with LSU, and he didn't have to have a biopsy, and he lived. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Right here in this facility, there was a contractor that used to help us with some of our building projects. He was a great guy, former pastor. We had a really good relationship. He came a few times to the church, but really never stuck. But uh, one night... On Wednesday before Wednesday night prayer, I got a text from him, and he said, my wife has been diagnosed with cancer, metastatic lung cancer. They have imagery, and they found 18 spots in both of her lungs. Will you guys pray? And I said, absolutely. So right here in this room, uh, this has been a couple of years ago, we stood and prayed. I had everybody pray and agree with me, and we cursed those spots. We cursed that cancer at the root of the source at the seed in Jesus' name. Three days later, my contractor buddy called me. Actually, he texted me. He says, they don't understand it. They've done three tests. They can't find any cancer in her whatsoever. It's gone. She was completely healed. Amen. Prayer of agreement. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, in the case of the contractor's wife, we did the same thing that Jesus did to the nobleman's son. He spoke over that son from a distance, and he was healed. We did the same thing. We didn't lay hands on her. We spoke from a distance, and we declared her healed, and she was healed. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, I want to talk about the gift of faith. The gift of faith. The gift of faith is a supernatural endowment of faith that is beyond your ordinary, everyday level of faith. Everybody's been given a measure of faith, and you can grow that faith, and we all have different levels of faith. But sometimes you encounter a situation where you're the only person available to help somebody, and you do not have the level of faith required to help them. And God will say, I'm going to drop a little extra faith onto you so you can get the job done. That's what happened to me. Years ago, when Trisha and I were stationed in Corpus Christi, I was working at the headquarters building. I was an instructor pilot, but I also had a staff job there working for the admiral in the headquarters building. And there was a Navy yeoman there that I had to work with on a day-to-day -day basis. And we got to be friends and struck up conversation. Many times, our conversation would drift toward the Lord. She was a Baptist young lady. She loved the Lord. And 
I was, you know, assembly of God. And so I just told her, I said, I believe the same way you do. Only thing is, I believe Jesus saves and heals. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. And she, she always kind of just looked at me like, I want to believe that, you know, never really opposed what I said. But she's like, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Well, you know, a couple of months later, I noticed that she um, was nowhere to be found. I thought, where's, Eric, you know, where's uh, Yeoman so-and-so? And one of the guys said, I don't know. We haven't heard anything. She's been gone for a couple of weeks. Nobody seemed to know anything. Well, we had a Saturday night Bible study that we held in our uh, base house there on the naval base, and we had both civilians and military that would come to this thing. Uh, that was before 9-11, and you could get people through the gate. You can't get people through the gate now. Anyway, so we had this Bible study on Saturday. Trisha and I are getting ready for the Bible study. We get bags of ice and snacks and doing all the running around. And uh, all of a sudden, I was at the house, uh, and we had one of those old-timey dial-it-up phones with a really long cord. It was my favorite phone because I could go almost anywhere in the house, and nothing would restrict me. This is back for the days of cell phones. Anyway, the phone rings, and it's this Navy yeoman, and she's sobbing, and she's crying. She's weeping uncontrollably. And I said, what's going on? What's, what's the matter? What's the matter? She's Captain Forrest. I've come down with multiple sclerosis, and it's, it's advancing so rapidly. I've already lost sight in one eye, and I'm losing sight in the other eye very rapidly. I can't use my left leg. I have to be wheeled around in a wheelchair. My sister's here helping me take care of my baby. She had a newborn. Her husband was in the Navy, and he was also uh, deployed on a ship halfway around the world. And, you know, her plight was hopeless. And I remember as I talked to her, something on the inside of me began to rise up. It was like a holy, righteous indignation. I was just like red hot mad. And as soon as she calmed down long enough for me to be able to say something to her, I said, honey, listen to me. You get your sister, you come over here to MOQ 19-2, you get your sister to bring you here to the Bible study, we're going to lay hands on you, and God's going to heal you. She said, well, all right, Captain Forrest, if you say it, I believe it. How many know the minute she said that, she got her healing? I hung up the phone, and the anointing lifted, and I'm like, oh, my God, what did I just say? (laughs) Multiple sclerosis? How many people here run up to somebody with MS and lay hands on them? It's kind of overwhelming, isn't it? So she came that night. We had Bible study. I don't even remember what I taught on, but after Bible study, uh, I anointed her with oil, and I had everybody lay hands on her and pray the prayer of agreement over her, and we pronounced her well and whole in Jesus' name. Then nothing changed in the natural. Her sister took her home. And next thing I know, they shipped her up to the naval, uh, not the naval hospital, the Air Force Hospital at Williford Hall in Langley Air Force Base, Lackland Air Force Base, San Antonio, Texas. I got to get my bases correct here. Anyway, they shipped her up to Lackland Air Force Base, Williford Hall, to the Air Force Hospital up there. So uh, she was gone for two weeks. I didn't hear anything. So. I finally called the dispatcher, and I said, can I take a T-34 up to San Antonio? I know I don't have a student today, but I just need some transportation. 
And they said, well, we just happen to have one that's not being used on the schedule, so you can have it. We'll have it gassed up and ready to go. So I took a T-34. I flew two hours up there to Lackland Air Force Base, <laughs> landed, bedded down the aircraft, got a base taxi, drove over to the hospital, went up to the ward where they told me she was staying, talked to the ward nurse, and I said, where is yeoman so-and-so? She looked at me. She said, she's gone. And my heart sank. I thought, oh, what's happened? She saw the look on my face. She said, no, you don't understand. We did every test that we know to test for MS. Could not find a single symptom of MS in her body. All her eyesight came back. Her leg came back. Everything was restored to normal. And I flew home higher than the 17,000 feet that my aircraft was at. I mean, we didn't have an autopilot in the T-34, and I'm like holding the stick and throwing my hands up and saying, Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! She was healed. And it was a special gift of faith that dropped on me. One of the things that characterizes the gift of faith I'm going to read the definition. A gift of faith is a supernatural endowment of faith that is beyond your ordinary, everyday level of faith. There's a second slide. It often works through a proclamation of faith by one person, which triggers a supernatural faith in another person to receive a miracle. And that's exactly what happened. I got angry. It was righteous indignation. And by the Holy Spirit, I spoke a proclamation of faith to her. I said, come over here. We're going to lay hands on you and you're going to be healed. And she said, Captain Forrest, I believe it. Faith rose on the inside of her and she got healed. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's look at a New Testament example. Acts chapter 14, verse 6 through 10. I'm going to speed up here. You know, Paul and his company were in Asia Minor preaching, and they would get uh, run out of town on a regular basis. So they got run out of one town, and they ended up fleeing to a town called Lystra. So pick it up here at verse 6. They became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. Remember that. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently, and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet, and he leaped and walked. Now, this is an excellent example of how gifts of the Spirit can manifest in combination. Think about it. He had a word of knowledge. Paul knew on the inside that the layman had faith to be healed. Gift of faith was in manifestation. Paul made a proclamation to the lame man and said, stand upright on your feet, something he could not do in his own strength. And his faith was ignited and a miracle occurred. Amen. Working on miracles is also at work here because if you think about it, if he was lame from his mother's womb, the likelihood is high that he did not have the proper muscles or bones or tendons for him to be able to stand up on his feet. So whatever was not fully developed or whatever was not there had to be created by the Holy Spirit in a matter of seconds. Amen. So lots of stuff going on here. Holy Ghost operation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Makes me want to run. Glory to God. But I can't. I got to stay on task here. All right. 
Working of miracles. Got a definition up there. Working of miracles occurs when the laws of nature are broken or suspended in some way by the direct intervention of the power of God. Parting the Red Sea, walking on water, still in a storm with words alone, turning water to wine, the maimed made whole are all examples of working of miracles. Amen. Hallelujah. Also, I think when healings manifest almost instantaneously, you can probably consider that to be a miracle as well. All right. New Testament example. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. I'm sure you've all heard this story. But you may not have seen some of the things I'm going to bring out here. Verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, something you need to know. Leviticus chapter 14, there is a ceremonial cleansing that the priest would do for a leper, but he could not come for that cleansing ceremony until he was completely free of leprosy. So Jesus, by faith, said, go show yourself to the priest, because by the time you get there, your leprosy is going to be gone. Do you see that? And one of them, when he saw that, he was healed, returned with a loud voice He glorified God, amen, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan, a bit of an outcast in that day. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. The King James says, has made you whole. Amen. Consider this. Ten were cleansed, but only one was made whole. You can have missing digits, fingers and toes, earlobes, nose, things like that, and be healed of leprosy, and you're still missing all those body parts. I believe this guy, because he came back to give glory to God, had all of his body parts restored in addition to being cleansed of leprosy. And that is a creative miracle. Amen. All right, so I'm going to wrap it up with this one last example of my first encounter with a creative miracle at my hand. Years ago before this, when I was a teenager, I saw a man's leg grow six inches, and I saw it pop out in a matter of a nanosecond. I saw it with my own eyes. Now, I wasn't the one praying. I was just watching and guess what I said? I was 17 years, 18 years old. I said, I don't believe it. <laughs> and I saw it with my own eyes. And the Lord said, you're a great man of faith, eh? Anyway, so 13 years later, in Corpus Christi, I'm teaching a Bible study. It's a six-week course on the gifts of the Spirit, very similar to what we're talking about here. And it was on uh, Sunday mornings before service, 9 to 9.45, and I think the Sunday service started at 10. I'm working my way through this course, and I'm teaching, wouldn't you know, on the power gifts, gifts of healings, working a miracle, special gift of faith. 
And at the end, I say, is anybody here that needs a touch from the Lord? We've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and God wants to manifest and confirm His Word that what I've been preaching to you, what I've been teaching you, is from God. So a guy in the back raised his hand. Trish was there. There's about 15 people in this class. And he came forward. Uh, His name was Andy Edlin. I know that because we became great friends after this. He came forward. He raised his right hand, and he started marching toward me. And I thought, well, man, he looks perfectly healthy. What does he want me to pray for him about? Hopefully it's a head cold or a migraine or something, something easy, you know. No, he came to about right there, um, and he turned his right shoulder to me, and I could see through his clothes that he had a left shoulder that was perfectly normal, but on the right side, there was just a hole in his back. There was no shoulder blade there. He said, my right shoulder has been pretty much destroyed by a degenerative bone disease. I'm scheduled for orthopedic surgery on Thursday. They're going to see if they can give me some normal function of some kind, but they don't have much hope. So again, I feel this rising up on the inside of me. I'm like, you know what? I just, something doesn't set right with me about this. And before I knew what I was doing, I put my left hand in the hole in his back, which was kind of awkward because it drew attention to his deformity. And I put my right hand on his chest. And I began to speak to his bones, his muscles, his tendons, his ligaments, blood vessels I even mentioned. And I said, you grow in the name of Jesus. You grow and be normal. You'll be restored in Jesus' name. Grow, I say, in Jesus' name. After about five or ten seconds of that, I started hearing this popping and grinding, and I felt something going on in his shoulder. And then all of a sudden, I felt a pressure as something began to grow underneath my hand and push my hand out of the hole in his back. And I watched in about 20 seconds as the Lord grew him a brand new shoulder blade. Saw it right in front of me, six inches away from my eyes. My eyes were wide open. Andy's eyes were wide open. He was crying. I was crying. And God was working on his shoulder. He had a completely restored right shoulder went for his pre-op exercise, uh, pre-op exercise. We're going to do some jumping jacks, and then we're going to have orthopedic (laughs) surgery. He went for his pre-op surgical x-rays, and they came back and said, we don't know what happened. This is what your shoulder looked like last week, and this is what it looked like this week, and you've got a brand-new shoulder blade. We, We don't need to do anything for you. Amen. That was a creative miracle, working of miracles, done in this day and age. By someone that you can trust. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you, this happened. You know, somebody came with, with an argument back in the 80s to me, you know, that those kind of things passed away, and I just said, I'm sorry, you're too late. I've already seen it. <laughs> you can't take some things back, you know. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for this session. Remember, next week, We will continue with the vocal or the inspirational gifts. Thank you for bearing with me for a lengthy teaching this morning. I appreciate it. And uh, to God be all the glory. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part three of Dr. Forrest's message, The Nine Gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you are in the Wilmington area, and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us 
and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.